So when I was in the fifth grade, there was a boy in my class whose mother died. I cannot begin to imagine how difficult that would be for a young child to lose their mother. Maybe some of you experienced that when you were children. Well, his, um, his name was Max, and he was out of school for, I think, about a week. I was about 10 years old, and this is the way I remember it. He was out of school for about a week, and he returned, and we were out on the playground for our, that lunchtime period of playing on the playground, and I noticed him laughing and playing, having a great time with all of the other kids, and I, I thought he should be acting sad. So with the immaturity of a 10-year-old boy, I went up to him and I said, you don't even care that your mother died. Wow. He immediately lost it. I mean, he burst into tears and he ran inside the building. And I was instantly overwhelmed with a feeling and the sense of guilt as I realized I had just really hurt this kid. A few minutes later, as you might imagine, I get called to the principal's office. Both the principal and my teacher let me know in no uncertain terms that that was a horrible thing to do, it was a horrible thing to say. But honestly, they didn't need to worry because I already felt terrible. Now I tell you that story because as I tried to think back of my earliest recollection of struggling with feelings of guilt, that's what comes to my mind. That was, I'm, I'm sure there were times before that, but that's the one that I remember the first time in my life experiencing guilt. Well, we're in a series that we started last week called Creatures of Habit, and of course it's based on my new book that's coming out on May 18th with the same title. And so we're talking about the impact or the effect that not only good habits have in your life, but the impact that bad habits have as well. And I, in doing research for this book, I really came to discover that the scripture has more to say about habits than I ever imagined that it did. In fact, um, psychologists and neurologists both say that 40% of our day, think about that, 40% of the things that we do every single day are habits. That's almost half. 40% of everything we do is done out of habit. And yet, guys, I think most of us underestimate the power of habits in our life and just how the bad habits can actually keep us from God's best. You see, our brain can't distinguish between good and bad habits, and that's why you and I have to make the determination. A habit is a habit as, as far as our brain goes, and so we have to determine whether it's a good habit and good for us or whether it's a bad habit and something we need to deal with it in our life. Good habits help us to be more Christ-like. They help us to take on more of a Christ identity or to be, again, more like Christ in our life. We call those things spiritual disciplines. So the, so the scripture, when, you, when it talks about spiritual disciplines, we're basically talking about good habits in our life. On the other hand, bad habits conflict with our identity in Christ. They keep us from being who Christ wants us to be. And those things are oftentimes called spiritual strongholds. They get a grip on us, they get a hold on us, and they keep us from what God wants. In fact, at times, in some areas of our life, they actually become addictions. They also, uh, again, to go off another direction, it also becomes idols in our life. It's idolatry. And so these are, these are things that we, we may think are, are um, unimportant 
But the reality is, they really do havoc on our life. And that's why, again, we invite Jesus Christ to come into our life, and we think that because we're a Christian, our life is supposed to be transformed and everything's gonna be okay. And then we wonder a year, two years, three years later why we're still struggling. And the reason we're still struggling is because we've never dealt with these bad habits. And they're continuing to keep us from God's best in our life. And so, Today, as I said, we're gonna talk about, today's topic, we're gonna to talk about guilt. Now there are, there are, in the book, there are 12 chapters and there are 12 topics, 12 bad habits. The way I came up with the topics are these are 12 bad habits that I've struggled with. I've struggled with every single one of them and some of them more than others and some I still struggle with. And I would tell you this is one that I still struggle with. I no longer feel like it has a grip on me but it's one that I have to work on continuously. So I've struggled, like a lot of you in this room, have struggled with the bad habit of guilt. When I worked late at night, I felt guilty because I wasn't home with the kids. When I was home with the kids, I felt guilty because I wasn't at work. I felt guilty because I wasn't a better husband. I felt guilty because I wasn't a better father. I felt guilty because I wasn't a better son. When I was on the treadmill doing, treadmill doing exercise, I would listen to novels, but I felt guilty because I wasn't listening to leadership books. I remember one time telling my daughter, Jenny, that, and she's like, Dad, oh my gosh, it's okay that you're listening to a novel. You don't always have to be listening to leadership books. But again, it was my bad habit of guilt in my life that I was struggling with. I felt guilty that I had clothes in my closet that I hadn't worn in a while. I tried hard to be a good pastor, and yet I didn't feel like I prayed enough or read my Bible enough. I never felt like I visited enough people in the hospital. I felt guilty when I worked. I felt guilty when I relaxed. Honestly, I felt guilty for feeling guilty. These feelings of guilt often came they often come in our life because you don't think you measure up to your own high standards. Not the standards other people have put on you, but the standards that you've put in place. Or because you did something you shouldn't have done or failed to do something you should have done. It's a feeling of shame or regret because of bad conduct, or at least, let me say this, at least your perceived bad conduct. And then you keep yourself in this state of guilt because you think you need to pay for what you did or what you didn't do. You know, I feel bad for not doing whatever. I feel horrible for letting her down. I'm, I'm mad at myself for not taking my kids to the park or on and on it goes. And friends, if that sounds familiar to you, you're probably struggling with guilt. I can so relate to David when he wrote in Psalms chapter 38, my guilt has overwhelmed me. I don't know if you've ever had that sense that guilt just overwhelms you. I've had it many times in my life because it's just become a part of me. Now again, I feel like I've broken down that, but I still struggle. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. In the last several years, I've taken some of the steps that I put in the book to deal with this bad habit, and I don't feel like I'm driven by it like I used to be, but again, I think I'm a work in progress. I want you to listen. I, I think this is gonna take you back. It took me back when I did the research on this. I found in a Harvard Business Review this quote 
It said, people who are prone to guilt tend to work harder and perform better than people who are not guilt prone. They are also perceived to be more capable leaders. Now you read that and you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Isn't that the opposite of what you're saying here? Doesn't that seem confusing to you? It seems really confusing. And so I, when I, I did a whole lot more study, and I don't have time to give it all to you today, but there's a whole lot more in the book that I talk about, the research that I did on this. And this wasn't just the Harvard, Harvard Business Review. There was all kinds of talk about those that feel guilt and what they accomplish. Francis Flynn, a professor at Stanford University, gave a psychologist test which measured the tendency to feel guilt. He gave the test to 150 workers in the finance department of a Fortune 500 company. And he found that people who were more prone to guilt received higher performance ratings and they were seen as stronger leaders by their peers. And so you're like, okay, Steve, I'm really confused now. Does that mean that gift, that, does that mean that guilt is a good thing? Well, again, you have to understand that guilt is a God-given emotion. Guilt is a God-given emotion, but when it becomes a habit, or in other words, it becomes the way we respond to everything, it can and it will rob us of joy and it'll keep our focus on ourself instead of on God, which again is idolatry. And we're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks, but then that makes it idolatry. We all need, guys listen, all, we all need some guilt in our life. If you never experience guilt, that could be a sign that you're a sociopath or you have a narcissistic personality disorder, making you one of those rare people who are incapable of feeling guilt, who are incapable of feeling any kind of regret. Now there's actually two types of guilt. There's a healthy kind of guilt that comes from the Holy Spirit, which is intended to cause us to repent which is intended to cause us to return to God's plan for our life. And once, and once we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that guilt is gone. It leaves. And it should then be replaced by God's peace and joy. Once, once the Holy Spirit has convicted me and shows me this area of sin is wrong, I repent of that sin, and now I turn back to God, what happens? I'm overwhelmed with a sense of God's peace and a feeling of joy. The other type of guilt is called a false guilt. That's when you have feelings of guilt even though you haven't done anything wrong. Some of you say, well, that's crazy. I live it all the time. You have feelings of guilt even though you didn't do anything wrong. Or maybe you did something wrong, but you've already fixed it and asked God to forgive you, and yet you still feel guilty. And as we said, that type of guilt, it will rob you of God's peace and joy. False guilt. It can affect any area of your life and it can keep you trapped. Listen, it can keep you trapped in an unhealthy place if you don't do something about it. People driven by a false guilt feel they have to do everything perfectly so that they don't disappoint anyone. And again, remember, these standards aren't placed by other people. We've placed these standards in our own life. A good example, we just laughed at it. A good example is mom guilt. At times, most mothers struggle with it. At least one time in your life, I'm sure every mother has struggled with it. 
It doesn't matter if you've been a mother for five years or five minutes. That deep and heavy feeling that you're not doing enough for your kids has a way of swooping in when you least expect it. But moms, can I remind you, it's a false guilt. Now there are many reasons for false guilt, but most likely the reason is that the devil is accusing you. The devil is accusing you. In Revelation, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but in Revelation, it talks about how Satan was once an angel. And I think most of you know this. Satan was once an angel, but he rebelled against God, so he was a fallen angel. And because of his pride and because of his rebellion, he was tossed out of heaven with a third of the angels. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, the giant dragon was thrown down. The giant dragon, talking about Satan, the devil, was thrown down out of heaven. He is that old snake called the devil or Satan who tricks the whole world. The dragon with his angels was thrown down to the earth. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come. This is what I want you to see. The accuser of our brothers and sisters, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them day and night before our God has been thrown down. So remember what I told you, bad habits become our identity. Bad habits become who we are. We're seeing that right there. He's called the accuser of the brethren because that is what, that is who he became. That's what he's known for. You see guys, what the enemy's gonna do when it talks about the battleground that we're in, spiritual warfare, when the scripture talks about all that, it's because Satan is a liar and the way that he's going to lie to you is he's going to accuse you. Since the devil is a spirit, he has the ability, I've talked to you about this before, since the devil is a spirit, he has the ability to drop thoughts in your mind. Because you're a spirit and he's a spirit, he can drop thoughts in your mind. And if you believe those thoughts, they're almost always gonna be a lie, primarily a lie, or at least a a truth taken out of context to try to deceive you, to try to mislead you. And I've said to you many times before that Satan has what I call a one-two punch. The right hook, with the right hook, he hits you with temptation. And then quickly he turns around with the left hook of accusation. And so let's say that he tempts you with Uh, cheating on your taxes. He gives you a right hook trying to tempt you to cheat on your taxes, but you resist. You miss the right hook. You resist and you don't cheat on your taxes. But then he quickly turns back around and throws a second punch and whispers in your ear and says, you are a horrible Christian to have thoughts of cheating on your taxes. You didn't even do it. But he tries to make you feel guilty for for even having the thought when he's the one that put the thought there to begin with. It wasn't your thought, does that make sense? And so if sometimes we, we, get, we don't give in to the temptation the first time, but on the second one, he convicts us, tries to make us feel guilty for something we didn't even come up with. He tries to make us feel guilty for a thought we had that he placed in our mind. I hope this makes sense. And if you'd buy into that second, that left hook, He's gonna eat you alive with guilt. Jesus says, the, Jesus says Satan is the father of lies. He is a, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He, the, Satan does not want you to experience the peace of God. He wants you to live under the weight of false guilt or condemnation. 
this type of guilt is not from God. Whenever it talks about in, in Romans that there's not any condemnation, that's a false guilt. Condemnation is a false guilt. It doesn't come from God. This type of guilt is not from him and it's abusive and it's self-destructive and it, and it will hurt your relationship with God and it'll hurt your relationship with other people. So for a moment, let's compare the misery from false guilt to the benefits or the beneficial nature of healthy guilt or what sometimes is referred to as godly sorrow. It's that sense of it's that sense of sadness you experience as a result of sins that you've committed in your life. And Paul talks about it actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says godly sorrow godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So that, that's, that's good guilt, right? Healthy guilt. Godly sorrow. It brings repentance and leads to salvation and it leaves no regrets. So you're not gonna struggle later with it. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. You see, healthy guilt is a gatekeeper. Healthy guilt is a boundary maker. It helps us to discover where we shouldn't go and what we shouldn't do. It helps us to make amends when we cause other people pain, when we cause other people hardship. Healthy guilt helps us to find our way back to true north. Healthy guilt helps us to find our way back to center. It helps us to find our way back to Jesus. And then to repair the torn portions of our lives. In the passage that we just looked in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said godly sorrow, or in other words, healthy guilt, leaves you with no regret. Yet on the other hand, false guilt leaves you with lots of regrets. Guilt, now, you, you say, okay, I'm not sure I, I see the difference. Guilt and regret are two words that get tossed around a lot as synonymous. We talk about guilt, we talk about regret, and we, we treat those two words as if they're synonymous. And they certainly are the same, but they're really more like brothers. They're very, very similar, and they spend a lot of time together, but they're not exactly the same. But it's hard, I would tell you this, it's hard to have one without the other. And these two emotions can cause us, these two emotions can cause us to go down the path of if only. You ever played that game? If only, if only I had kept my mouth shut. If only I had not lost my temper with my kids. If only I had finished my degree. If only. Those two words can crush your hopes. Those two words can steal your peace. They can prevent forgiveness in your life and they can trap you in a negative pattern of behavior. Some people actually get so overwhelmed with guilt or regret, they become physically ill. And if you want to take it to extreme, others become so overwhelmed with guilt or regret, they take their own lives. I, I've seen Christians walk away from their faith because they can't handle the guilt or they can't handle uh, 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 the regrets they have from a mistake or from a wrong choice that they've made. Guilt, I'm just telling you guys, guilt is hard to live with when it becomes a habit in our life. I was 
I was reading, and I don't know if you knew this, I, I think I've shared this story with you before several years ago, but in 1811, the U.S. Treasury Department, since 1811, the U.S. Treasury Department has maintained what they call a conscious fund, and it's where they keep money that was sent back to them from Americans who felt guilty over the money they've been given for one reason or another. So in other words, it's money that they felt maybe they defrauded the government or maybe they weren't honest with the government and so they send their money back to the government. For instance, in 2008, that fund took in $3 million in one year. Now that was, I believe, the biggest year that they've ever had, the most they've ever taken in in one year. Now most of the time the money comes back anonymously but at times, People send along a note to explain why they're sending the, the money back. And, and as I was reading their website, it talked about one person wrote in and said, please accept this money for two postage stamps that I reused. Another talked about tools that he had stolen while he was in the Navy. Another confessed to taking metal office dividers and said that he was extremely sorry for this rotten act. And I don't know if this one is true because I didn't read this one on their webpage. I read it in another site that you don't know. But I heard one, I heard they wrote, they said that one man sent a check for $100 and said, I've not been able to sleep, so here's the $100 that I owe you. If I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest of it. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. If you're tired of feeling guilty all the time, then why not make a decision to do something about it? Why not make a decision to say, you know, this is not just some uh, insignificant, unimportant issue in my life. This bad habit of guilt is really keeping me from God's best. Guilt is never a pleasant emotion, but when it's a habit, it will suck the joy right out of you. So let's, let's look at some things that we can do to overcome this particular habit of guilt. But the first thing you need to do, and I talk about this in every single chapter, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that it's a problem for you. In other words, if you, as you glance at the table of contents in the book and you look at these and, and you just quickly check off and say, no, 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 no. Well, if there is any issue for you, you're not gonna deal with it because you're in denial. And so the point is, you have to acknowledge. For me, I've acknowledged that all 12 of them have been an issue, some still are ones that I struggle with. So you have to acknowledge, you have to own it. But we don't like to do that because we don't want to accept responsibility or admit that we struggle with anything. We try to look like we've got victory over everything in life. You know, there's a, there's a story told about a governor from Texas, happened years ago supposedly, a governor from Texas that was visiting the state prison. He told the prisoners that he, would, he was gonna sit at a desk and that they could come to him one at a time and he would listen to whatever they wanted to talk about, whatever they had to say. And so they formed a line, and one by one, they complained of the miscarriage of justice. They were saying things like, I shouldn't be here, I was framed, I didn't do this crime. But they said, one guy came up to the governor and he said, sir, I just want you to know that I'm guilty. I want you to know, sir, that I did the crime and I'm ashamed of my past. But the years that I've been in here have helped me to become a better person. And one day when I get out of here, I hope that I can contribute something positive to society that governor decided to pardon that prisoner that day. Do you know why? Because he was the only one that came up to talk to him that accepted responsibility for his behavior. 
So what I want us to do is if, if you've acknowledged that, that, this, that guilt is an issue for you, I want to give you four steps that you can take to break the habit of guilt in your life. The first step is very simply accept God's forgiveness. I know that seems like an oversimplification, but it really is the place you need to start. Most likely, listen guys, most likely if you're a person that struggles with guilt, you probably don't think you deserve God's forgiveness. I battled with that through the years. I, uh, there's so many times where I know that forgiveness is a free gift, but I think I don't deserve it, I'm not worthy of it, and I battle with that. And if you battle with guilt, most likely you don't think you deserve it either. But the truth is, but the truth is guys, none of us do. Forgiveness is a gift from God. It's not by anything that we've done or we don't deserve it. It's a free gift from God. And yet if you're not convinced, listen to me, if you're not convinced of God's forgiveness in your life, if you're not convinced that he's forgiven you, every time you have feelings of guilt, you will think you deserve this punishment. You'll, you'll think, you know, I'm not a good person. I, I mess up all the time. I, I deserve God's punishment. You know, and so people are saying, well, why don't you do something here about this? No, I deserve it. I deserve this. Listen, that's not how God works. If you're following Jesus, if you're following Christ, your past doesn't have to dictate your future. Jesus died for your guilt and he died for your regrets and the key to overcoming regrets is found in Christ. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know how much more clear that could be not only will he forgive our sins, but he will also forget your sins. He'll forgive and he'll forget your sins. In Psalms 103, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God offers you, friends, when you invite Christ into your life, he offers you a brand new life. Yeah, but Steve, that's what, I don't, that's what I can't wrap my head around. That's what I just can't get my brain wrapped around. If God is omniscient, if God is all-knowing, how can he ever really forget our sins? And I, I can't tell you how many times throughout the years I've had people ask me that. You know, you say that God forgets our sins, but I thought he was omniscient, so how can he forget our sins? Well, what it actually means is that when it says he forgets our sins, it means that he puts, he puts them behind him. He puts your sins behind him. Or in other words, he's never gonna bring them up again. Listen to me, friends. There's one thing that you're never gonna hear God say. I remember what you did 10 years ago. You're never gonna hear God say that. God said you've been forgiven and it is forgotten. The second step is to forgive yourself. Again, a really important step. Charles Stanley said this one time, I thought this was so good. He said, forgiveness is never complete until first, we have experienced the forgiveness of God. Second, we can forgive others who have wronged us. And third, we are able to forgive ourselves. That's really strong. To forgive yourself, to forgive yourself just means to let it go. To stop beating yourself up over the things that God has already forgiven you for. To beat yourself up for the things that God has already put behind him. In Philippians chapter three, Paul writes, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. In other words, Paul's saying, I haven't arrived yet. You know, I haven't reached perfection yet. I haven't reached the nature of Christ yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. You know, Paul was guilty of murder. 
You know, he gave authority for Christians to be put to death. You don't think that after he became a believer, he wasn't overwhelmed with guilt for that? And so Paul said, in order for me to go forward and serve Christ, in order for me to be the man that God wants me to be, he said, I have to forget the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul said, I gotta put it behind me. You know what, I'm not gonna be effective for the kingdom of God. I'm not gonna be the man God wants me to be unless I put this behind me and I start looking forward to the purposes and plans he has for me. I can't hang on to this guilt. You can torment yourself by, by mulling your mistake over and over and over again in your head, but it's a waste of time because no amount of wallowing can change your past. A story that I've also think several years ago I shared with you, and if, even if you didn't hear me share it, it's a story that many of you have read before. In 1929, Georgia Tech played the University of California in the Rose Bowl, and just before halftime, one of the players, Ray, Roy Regals, he recovered a fumble for California, and somehow he became confused. This has been on, you can see it on YouTube. But somehow he got confused and he ran the wrong, he ran 65 yards in the wrong direction. One of his own teammates tackled him at his own two yard line. When California attempted to punt, Georgia Tech blocked the punt and scored a safety. It was halftime, the team headed, headed off the field and they went into the locker room and Roy Regals sat in the corner with his face buried in his hand with a towel over his head and he cried like a baby. As the second half was about to begin, Coach Price said, men, the same players that played the first half will start the second half. Roy Regals looked up with tears in his eyes and he said, coach, I, I can't go back out there. I I've hurt the team, I can't tell you how embarrassed I am. And Coach Price put his hands on Roy Regals' shoulder and he said, Roy, you need to get up. The game's only half over. Well, Roy Regals got back in the game and those that were there that day said he played the greatest game of his life during that second half. Guys like Roy Regal, we might be running, hear me please, we might be running in the wrong direction. And we're not sure if we even wanna try anymore. We're frustrated, we're discouraged, we're beat up, we're struggling with regrets, we're struggling with guilt, we don't know if we wanna even continue. And then God comes along and he puts his arm around us and he says, don't quit, don't give up, you can do this. The game's only half over and I will help you. Friends, hear me please, we serve a God of second chances. So please don't spend the rest of your life feeling guilty over the past or perceived, perceived mistakes that you think you've made. I've heard it said, though no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. I think that's a great quote. The third step that you should take is to change your behavior. Instead of wasting time thinking about how terrible you are or what you should have done or what you shouldn't have done, focus on what changes you can make. Whether, whether that's apologizing to someone, it's like, okay, you know, I'm feeling all this regret for what I did. Have I gone back and told the person I'm sorry? So that's a place to start. In other words, just focus on what are the steps that you can take. Or, or, or maybe you just need to turn it over to God and you haven't done that yet. Focus on the action items that you can do to break this habit of guilt. Listen guys, when you start to have those feelings of guilt, ask yourself, 
Ask yourself if it's deserved or if you're just simply beating yourself up needlessly. And then try to figure out what behavior or what attitude you need to work on. Maybe you need to, maybe you just need to learn to say no. You know, maybe you have all these regrets, and again, you know, I, I, as I talk about this, I've experienced so much of this. You know, it's like, you know, I've got maybe six different people asking me for stuff, and I don't want to disappoint anybody, and so I, you know, I, and yet I can't do all six of them, and so I obviously have to say no to four or five of them. But what happens to me, and probably happens to many of you, is that then I struggle with regret to the four or five that I had to say no to. And I think about that for days or weeks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've let them down. I've disappointed them. Struggle with those things, with that guilt. So ask yourself, is it deserved or is it just simply beating yourself up needlessly? Try to figure out what behavior attitude you need to work on. Maybe you just need to learn to say no with a clear conscience. Yes, they may be disappointed, and it certainly won't feel good when you first do it, but eventually it will create healthy boundaries in your life. And the more you establish these healthy boundaries, the less you will feel guilt over trying to meet everyone else's expectations. Uh, I loved what um, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said to a bunch of his students in a classroom. He said, learn how to say no. It'll do more good than learning Latin. <laughs> That's true. Learn how to say no, it'll do more good than learning Latin. Another thing I think that helps, and, I, and I'm not expounding on all these things, but another thing that I think helps is, is self-talk. Self-talk or learning to encourage yourself when it comes to dealing with this internal guilt that you're struggling with or that you're feeling. Your guilt might have come, listen guys, your guilt might have come from a parent or from a caretaker who constantly told you, you know, you're never gonna amount to anything. You know, it's just, it's always so uh, horrendous to hear that a parent said that to a child or to hear that, a, that, that somebody in authority said that to someone they're responsible for. You're never gonna amount to anything because that just so shapes their image of themselves. It just so shapes their identity because what happens is now as an adult, you come to believe that those thoughts may be true, which creates what? It creates feelings of guilt. But you can change that by, listen guys, you can change that behavior by reminding yourself, self-talk, reminding yourself that you are a child of God and that your guilt was crucified with Christ. Listen friends, no matter what the devil tries to accuse you of, no matter what the devil tries to accuse you of, not everything that happens in your life is your fault, even though the devil will try to make you believe it is. And even when you do make a mistake, Remember what we just got through seeing. It's been forgiven and it is forgotten. It's been put behind him. You should also remind yourself that you may have set your bar, you may have set your expectations way too high and they need to be readjusted. They need to become realistic because those expectations, those expectations have left you with feelings of condemnation. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter eight, verse one. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. You say, well, now wait a minute. You said that there was a healthy guilt. There is. That's not what condemnation is. Condemnation is a false guilt that does not come from God. This type of guilt is false guilt. It does not come from God. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. 
God's not trying to, to overwhelm you with this type. The Holy Spirit's gonna convict you when you turn the wrong direction to get you back to center, to get you back to true north. But God's not trying to overwhelm you with guilt. Condemnation is false guilt, and again, it's not from God. Step four, learn from your experiences. You know, have you ever said, guys, think about this for a minute, have you ever said, I'm gonna stop feeling so guilty about everything? I, you know, I've said this so many times. I'm going to break this bad habit of guilt in my life. I'm going to stop this. You know, I, I don't want this anymore, only to find myself with the same feelings of guilt just a short time later. Well, you're not alone. If you've ever felt that way, because I'm telling you, habits are hard to break. You didn't get this habit overnight, and you're not going to break it overnight. They say it takes anywhere from 21 to 30 days to break a habit, and that's going to take at least that long to break this habit of guilt. And it's something you've got to constantly work on until what? Until you replace this bad habit of guilt with a good habit of knowing you're forgiven, knowing you're free in Christ. And such torment, listen to me, such torment of guilt is damaging to you and it's gonna peep, and it's gonna keep, listen, it's damaging to you and to the people that you're close to, to the people that you say you love. And I also think it helps to reflect on some tough questions. And so let me give you some tough questions that are also in the book, but first of all, here's what I would recommend you do. I would recommend you get a journal. If you, if you, go, through a if you go through this list and you say, okay, as I look for these 12 items, this one of guilt, this one is number one for me. I've got to deal with this in my life. If that's the case, then I would get a journal and I would, I would write some of these questions down and at least once a week, I would go through a routine or an exercise to ask yourself these questions and literally write out an answer so you can, you can chart how you're doing on this journey to break this bad habit of guilt. What could I, what could I do better to handle my false guilt? And then answer that. Am I feeling guilty for something I didn't even do? See, it's being honest with yourself. I'm feeling guilt over this issue and it's not even, I didn't even do anything and yet I'm struggling with regrets. Am I too worried about upsetting other people? We get so worried, it's pride, which is a whole nother point in the book, but it's pride. We get so worried about what other people think. Am I using terms like should have or could have? What did I learn from this? So all questions, guys, that you just, just ask yourself, write these down, do a checkup the next week, answer the same questions again. You can reflect on what you did the week before. It'll be helpful if you actually, again, do this exercise by writing them down. So I would encourage you to do that because unless you understand, listen to me, unless you understand why you always feel guilty, it's gonna be tough to make the types of changes that you need to make in your life. So just imagine, imagine how much better your life would be if you don't have this weight of false guilt on your shoulders. Guys, Jesus paid for your failures. He paid for your sins. He paid for your guilt. He paid for your regrets. And the best way to silence the devil's accusations in your life is to break this habit of false guilt. False guilt. 